This podcast was recorded and produced in 2020, predating the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Confederation podcast. To find out about all the latest news and events across the Confederation, visit www.nhsconfed.org. Hello, my name is James Maddox, and I'm the International Policy and Programme Officer at the NHS Confederation. Welcome to the second in a series of podcasts looking at how NHS organisations can learn from, and in some cases have already adapted, integrated models of health and care from abroad. In this episode, we take a look at the Healthy Homes and Neighbourhoods model, an integrated care initiative for vulnerable families living in the central and west parts of Sydney, Australia. The model came about because it was identified that despite previous government interventions, in some Sydney communities there remained a high concentration of families living with significant social disadvantage, barriers accessing health and social care services, and with multi-morbidity problems developing in intergenerational cycles. The Sydney Local Health District developed the initiative in partnership with the community and relevant agencies to better connect services in order to address these barriers of access and to ensure families have their complex health and social care needs met. Professor John Eastwood is the Director of Community Paediatrics for the Sydney Local Health District and Director of the programme. This initial work um, was done um, back in 2013 through to 2014 um, in partnership with um, our community services, state-run services, housing, um, the local federally funded primary health care network and the Department of Education. The project is led by um, us and the health service and the idea is to achieve the vision of an integrated service system that supports the families and acknowledges how their social determinants of health are impacting on them. A lot of what we've been trying to do is actually um, improve collaboration between Um, government agencies and government-funded agencies. It's been part of a bit of a system reform process. Before the model was implemented, many of the services working with the families were operating in silos, and this led to poor engagement and communication. In these instances, the child's medical needs may have been met, but their wider social needs and those of the whole family weren't. Some of our families are quite traumatised by historical disadvantage, marginalisation, and our First Nations people in particular have suffered a lot of um, historical trauma in Australia. And services would often blame the families for poor engagement. We actually realised early on that it was actually poor engagement of the services with the family. The interventions that were being provided were um, of short duration because of the contractual arrangements. As a paediatrician, I know my paediatricians would use, often complain that they had referred um, a family to a service only to find when they reviewed them that the family had received the six-month intervention and was no, no longer allowed to have any further intervention. We are working a child and family service, um, but in reality, it was a child service. We often weren't really addressing the needs of the adult members of the family. And the child is very dependent upon the health and well-being of the adult members of the family. A lot of um, our understanding of primary health care and health promotion uh, was um, built into the model. 
and the very strong working partnership that we had with our child protection agency was, was absolutely critical to the final design. We took a bit of leap of faith. We did actually ask the people putting the tender out if it would be all right if we submitted a tender that embraced the social care sector, that um, addressed population health issues and collaborated beyond the health sector, therefore, with our government departments. There is a need for strong engagement and continuous work from all parties when implementing a model of this kind and scale. However, this can bring significant challenges. Erin Miller is the programme manager for Healthy Homes and Neighbourhoods. Everyone was so keen at first, but when we started to implement things, um, it did require people and, and organisations and teams to shift what they were doing, or we questioned things and we challenged things slightly, or we asked them to contribute. That's when problems started to arise. Um, I guess another challenge was really about how we communicated about the initiative. A lot of our partners saw us as a really concrete clinical service, yet another service that's going to provide something um, to patients in the community. Um, whereas we saw ourselves as a, as a bit of a change agent and um, we had some, some projects at that more systemic level as well, which some of our partners had trouble understanding and seeing that connection. It is easier to fall at the first hurdle when implementing a complex organisational-wide change. However, the success of the model has been down to persistence in overcoming these challenges. When we were wanting to maintain that stakeholder engagement, always collecting patient stories was really important. What better way to convey what we're trying to do and why we need to work this way than, than telling a story of a family? Um, so we always made sure we remembered really good patient stories and family stories that reflected um, what we're trying to do. And we made sure we told those stories at all sorts of meetings, at governance group, board meetings, the chief executive, at steering committee meetings, because it really just nicely highlighted what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. As well, I think that the, the way the initiative was designed, we've got some really high level systemic projects plus care coordination to individual families. So working with a partner agency where you're trying to shift something at a more of an organisational level is often complemented by um, some of the casework that our clinicians are doing with those families. I think if we didn't have the casework, the um, organisational level projects would have been more difficult. Um, Place-based work was really important as well. So we had our staff from our health service sitting within uh, hubs in the community with staff from different agencies. And that just allowed a lot of knowledge transfer between those agencies. It helped staff to understand their mutual roles. It increased trust between those professionals from different agencies. And it really helped with referral pathways, triaging, multi-agency casework. And then the knock-on effect was when we wanted to do a project around something. Um, it really helped with that. This collaborative approach has brought benefits to clinicians and service users alike. We've found that the clients who were previously disconnected from services definitely became a lot more engaged with services. Clients who felt disempowered and overwhelmed by feelings of hopelessness are now feeling more empowered and setting long-term goals. Many of our clients didn't have a consistent general practitioner and we've now been able to document that they have a general practice home. Referrals and consultations with other services are occurring far more rapidly than they did previously. The services that we're working with are having a better understanding of health. Joint assessments are now a lot more common than they used to be. Finally, um, 
we've done some analysis of what's been happening with our hospice missions, and we've been able to identify that the Healthy Homes and Neighbourhoods Initiative is reducing emergency department visits. Communication has been important in ensuring the model works effectively for those who access services in the region. When we're communicating with other providers about our patients, we've learnt pretty quickly that we need to thoroughly understand uh, legislation and privacy codes related to information sharing, not only because we want to make sure we comply with that, but we've noticed that sometimes a lack of understanding um, of those of that legislation and those codes makes people a little bit more risk averse and um, not willing to talk about some things which legally they can talk about um, and, and legally they can share that information, particularly when it, it comes down to the safety and wellbeing of a child. We also know that sharing information and discussing things with a colleague is more time consuming um, and it's sometimes easy to, to say that we're not allowed to do that. So making sure that our staff um, know the legislation and know what they're able to ask for and, and I guess promoting that and, and making sure our partners are aware of that has been really important. We've also brought some of our partners who don't work for health onto um, our health system as a contingent worker so that they're able to view health information and um, therefore better meet the needs of some of the families. Sometimes families assume that everybody um, talks about things and, and get frustrated when they have to retell their story or sometimes that can be, it can re-traumatise families when they have to retell their story to different agencies. So. Um, this workaround of having a, a contingent health worker on board has been really important. The amount of expertise brought together by the team enabled the planning and implementation to be catered to specific needs and to a wide range of potential issues. So the design brought together the international understandings about primary health care, you know, founded on the principles of the Alma Ata Declaration and our more recent understandings about population health management and how um, accountable care organisations might approach these issues. The design also drew on um, some of our understanding from the integrated care sector about and the accountable care organisations about the importance of risk stratification. So the first component of the project is actually around identification and offering packages of care according to that need. There was a lot of theory drawn from our health protection um, understandings and from our understandings of the delivery of ch child and family services. For example, we drew on the teachings of Hilton Davis around family partnerships. We brought together what was going on in New South Wales at the time in relation to collaboration between government agencies and some of the work that was being done at a, at a um, state premier's level. We had the context of the federal system and the difficulties that we were having between state and federal government. And at the time that we designed this initiative, we drew on some of the work from the United States around family health care homes, hence the importance of the general practitioner as a family home. The child, parents and grandparents all need to be in scope. And as we found many a time, the um, grandparent was the backbone of the family unit and or an auntie or an uncle. And it was that working in that um, multi-generational um, inter and intergenerational um, way that it was important um, to the way that we focused on the parents' needs and how we could then extend that understanding across the whole um, system. Because the 
the health and social care system doesn't necessarily understand things that way. They will be working with dad's sore back or mum's mental illness or the child's behavioural problems without, without actually seeing the holistic connection between all of those. Some of the learning from the early stages of planning could be useful for NHS organisations who want to take on a similar model. We had been working over several decades in um, partnership with our um, other stakeholders. And even though governments changed, policies changed, that stakeholder engagement in the development of the strategy from the very beginning was very important. Clinicians tend to want to look at the work at a clinical level. Managers work at a management level. When the planning for the project started, there was a real risk that it was actually just being planned at a management level. And it would not have been successful if we hadn't um, worked at multiple levels at the same time. So we were working uh, at that grassroots clinical level in the hubs. We're working at that interagency level within the local government areas. And we're working on senior management across government departments at a senior level. We're doing that simultaneously. The initiative has already seen some positive outcomes since its implementation in 2013. But what next for the model? In one of the large so public housing estates, the the housing managers asked us if we would extend the model for those with palliative care, um, those with aged care, and um, those with um, adult chronic mental illness. So there is work going on in the district to see if we could have a Healthy Homes and Neighbourhoods Plus type model, whereby the model is extended to those other population groups, that's to adults who don't have dependent children. Some of the districts that have selected it as an integrated care initiative that they'd like to implement uh, look quite different to our district. They're rural and remote communities. So um, I'm really excited to hear how they implement it, how they evaluate it and um, what their outcomes look like compared to ours. Thank you to John and Erin for taking the time to speak to us through a specialist lens their detailed analysis has demonstrated the practical problems faced by health systems when trying to integrate services, as well as the solutions used to overcome them, communication, a mutual understanding of functions, and a multi-professional and stakeholder development approach, among others, are all areas of shared challenge as we integrate services in the NHS. And therefore, despite the differences in our two systems, the insight shared by the Healthy Homes and Neighbourhoods model offers potential solutions. If you would like to learn more about the Healthy Homes and Neighbourhoods model, you can read our full report by visiting our website. In the next episode, we take a visit to the Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust to look at the Connecting Care for Children programme, which, like the Healthy Homes and Neighbourhood model, has been developed with a focus on better connecting services for children, in this case, between primary and secondary care. So the model came about because there seemed to be an obvious gap in the system when the GP was able to look after children really well and knew me well enough to contact me if he or she was worried. Actually, that child got really good care. Thanks for listening.